Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. I created Data Mesh Radio to be a resource for Data Mesh practitioners the world over. This is a weekly summary episode where I share a bit about the upcoming week's episodes and give you an extended summary for any interviews or panels that will be released during that week. It's designed to help you decide what episodes you might want to spend the full time to listen to, as interview episodes and panels are typically more than one hour long. In general, if you were running up against any challenges with Data Mesh, I'm here to help. I started a company around doing just that, Data Mesh Understanding. So get in touch if I can be of help. Check out our free community programs and things like that as well. Weekly episode summaries and programming notes for the week of September 24th, 2023. So I just got back from Big Data London and it was pretty fun. It was a pretty wild one in certain aspects. So there's lots of great content there. But one thing that I came out of most of the Data Mesh presentations I sat on was kind of that whole kiss, you know, keep it simple, silly. Most people say keep it simple, stupid. I don't want to call you all stupid. But we tend to overcomplicate the communication of data mesh so much. I've tried to kind of talk to you know the audience out there about my unicorn farts theory and things like that of if you don't need to overcomplicate things, don't be bringing in data mesh. Talk about what what they care about. You know, I, I started to use the analogy of stop roping people into the sausage factory tour. Stop dragging them along for that. They're there to eat the sausage. They're there for the sausage tasting. Sure, offer the tour. If you want people might want to know exactly how you're doing things under the hood, but most don't, right? Kind of think about that when I think about my car. I I don't really care about all the underpinnings and all the the kind of inner workings. I just I just want it to work. So with that, let's go ahead and jump into what's on tap for this week. On Monday, we have episode 254, easing into a data mesh journey: Ocean Spray's pre-data mesh preparations. An interview with Paul Kavakis. I think this one is super interesting because Ocean Spray is not really going the full data mesh route, at least for the next couple of years, but they're taking what's useful and applying it to their organization. Now, I usually advise against what I see as half measures where people are like, oh, we're just going to grab the self-serve platform, or we're just going to push the ownership onto the domains, or we're just going to do data as a product thinking. I don't really think that's what's going on here. I think... Paul really has done a great job of understanding they don't have the need or people power to really fully decentralize, to really fully go towards data mesh. But he's seen kind of the the benefits that people have seen from shared conceptual ownership and, you know, kind of giving the domains some of the ownership, but not 100%, and teaching domains to treat the, the data more as a product. Maybe I'm biased here because Paul is implementing a lot of what he's heard on the podcast, you know, from so many other interviewers and, and myself. But I, I think he's really struck that balance rather than just we don't want to do it. It's like it's not necessary. So why go go that far? One really interesting insight that he really had from this was 
because he was on their application team for so long, you know, on the, on the developer side, he knows the application landscape from a people and an actual application so well. And it has really helped with relationship building as well as mapping out the data domains. So maybe think about pairing up with somebody or maybe even bringing somebody like that onto the, the data team because they've got that visibility and the relationships already built. There's lots of, of good and interesting things in this. But one thing I will say is it might make you jealous because he's not really running into any roadblocks. And so I know that might make some folks jealous out there. On Friday, we have episode 255, Jirax Corner number 28, Generative AI and Data Mesh, the start of a long road. This is the last part of the recording I had with Jamak on generative AI and data mesh and kind of a lot of these topics. We're just starting to scratch the surface of generative AI in this discussion. We're going to have much future or much deeper ones in the future. So Jamak believes generative AI has a ton of positive real world potential, especially in data mesh. I'm a bit more skeptical. I was, especially when we were recording this, I've come around a little bit more on that. So if things like generative AI are only able to be leveraged by a few large companies trying to collect as much information, especially sensitive information, as possible, there's some big potential societal issues around generative AI that, that could come from this. We need to, as Jamak has talked about from the beginning, democratize the ability to leverage these types of tools, these types of approaches. That's what Data Mesh is trying to get towards, but you know, it's a bit of a long road to get there. ChatGPT set off kind of that initial frenzy. It can be easy to want to move incredibly fast towards implementing generative AI. You know, I just saw that in Big Data London. A lot of people were still talking data mesh, but it was basically LLMs, generative AI, and, you know, 80% of the conversation, 15% data mesh, 5% other. Um, but companies don't have the vast amount of data where they can throw moderate or worse quality data at these LLMs and really get something useful out. It's garbage in, garbage out. And that's a real concern if people are starting to actually try to make business decisions of that. Because they have less data than essentially the sum of the internet, like OpenAI used for ChatGPT, companies need to focus on providing quality data into an LLM, you know, that large language model, in order for it to actually provide good results. Again, otherwise it is garbage in, garbage out. As always, I think you'll learn a lot from listening to Shemak. <laughs> She's got really, really great uh, kind of depth of thought and, and wisdom around this stuff. So with that, let's go ahead to the extended summary for Paul's episode. Extended summary for episode 254, easing into a data mesh journey, Ocean Spray's pre-data mesh preparations, interview with Paul Kavakis. In this episode, I interviewed Paul, who's a senior manager of data and analytics at Ocean Spray. Quick note before jumping in, Ocean Spray is just at the beginning of their journey in their pre-implementation phase, and there hasn't been a lot of resistance yet internally. That might make a few people out there jealous. But there's a lot of interesting things Paul is doing to ensure that they are ready to decentralize what makes sense, you know, at the right time. They, there's a lot 
to be gained from not rushing in, of course. Also, if you listen to the episode, apologies, my audio is a bit weird. I had yet to build my makeshift sound studio in the Netherlands, and so there's some kind of weird echo issues. Paul started off with a bit about why they are headed down the data mesh path. For a large internal project, Paul had to become an expert on so many aspects of the company, and that's just not scalable in the long term. Or if he's like on vacation, you know, does this sound familiar to a lot of people? Again, this is at a smaller scale, you still have that central bottleneck. So he started to decentralize the data capabilities, but quite slowly, as teams understand what data they will likely need to own in the long run. And he's not you know, playing data ownership kind of hot potato. He's making sure that they are prepared in the right ways, not just kind of tossing ownership over to them. At Ocean Spray, Paul shared that until recently, everything tech, including data, was very centrally owned. In some areas, the IT team knew possibly more about the business processes than even the business people in those domains. So the company is going through all of their software and applications to decide how that their kind of IT landscape should look in the future. Data Mesh plays well into that rethink because central ownership scales until it doesn't and it limits flexibility, and they've been seeing that. As there isn't a rushed timeline, Paul has been able to put together a complete idea of what the Data Mesh roadmap will look like. But he also understands that it could look completely different as he learns more and starts trying to actually implement different aspects of Data Mesh. There are some existing data sets or data assets out there that could pretty easily become data products in the right environment or right situation. So that is where they're kind of targeting first. They're working with the teams to transfer or transfer some part of the ownership, especially around documentation of use cases and SLOs. The central team is pairing to take existing data assets, compose those into their data products and help people get on the path to real ownership, but there's still going to be some central ownership aspects of this stuff. And that's okay. If you don't need to decentralize, you don't need to do, you know, don't decentralize for the sake of decentralize. Paul recommends what Brian McMillan also talks about in, in depth in episode 26, finding people within domains that are at least somewhat tech savvy and want to advance their careers, work with them to get them more and more up to speed on data. Ownership is not something that gets transferred in a day. Treat it with more respect than that. So that's finding receptive people inside the receptive domains. Yes, it won't always be easy, but why make the buy-in complicated at the start if you don't need to? Right now, Paul is building out some of the technical underpinnings of their future mesh platform that they're going to be building. If there are teams that want to move more quickly now, they can start to test things out. But as long as those teams understand things aren't fully automated and they may have to change some things about what they build now when the company starts to move fully more towards data products. One big piece he is anticipating is the need for testing and data contract mechanisms. But exactly how to do that is still a challenge and will be learned along the way. He's anticipating a workable but not, you know, perfect solution to start. He's building too useful and then looking to improve. This is something a lot of people should really take to heart. Put something out there that isn't perfect for the long run. It's okay. Paul circled back on the idea of finding the right partners over the right use cases or domains. Having engaged and excited partners, this comes up over and over, 
but these engaged and excited partners who you know can up their own data capabilities and you can also help them drive value for themselves, that partnering with them will make your early journey far easier than going for the most quote-unquote valuable data. You're also likely to get better feedback because they're bought into collaborating with you, not just trying to extract value. To find those partners, potentially look at how teams present their results on kind of a monthly or quarterly basis internally. If when they're presenting, they're using lots of advanced figures and almost kind of a flair around data, that is a great sign that they'd be a good partner for your mesh journey to go and partner with because they like data already. How much data ownership or work gets decentralized and when is a key remaining question for Paul at Ocean Spray. He's aware that he'll have to test what works and iterate as he learns, but there are plenty of domains that are too small to justify them learning a ton about how to own their data when there just isn't that much data or data work to deal with in that domain. There will be shared ownership model between the central team and the domains. So Scott note here, this works up to a certain scale and in certain types of organization. Shared ownership in a very large organization rarely works that well for all that long. There's too much political infighting and challenges. But it's an interesting pattern for smaller organizations that seems to be working well. It's okay if your organization can handle that shared ownership. And that's where I talk about that hot potato of ownership. If you just try and shove it onto the domains, it's not going to be working well. So Paul's plan for assessing the quality of data products is to create kind of a rubric scoring system, asking people to rate the data products across multiple dimensions like usability, data quality, SLA compliance, et cetera. And that the scores or how they are measured, that may change over time. At the start of a data product's life, when it's still in like beta, those scores can be in, you know, invaluable to iterate towards value. But then you could consider throwing the historical scores out once that data product hits V1.0, right? That's because there is a useful aspect of feedback depending on what you are trying to achieve. And bad historical scores could hinder the success of a data product when that data product is now high quality and valuable, but there were bad scores at the start while they were still iterating and building. For Ocean Spray, their first few data products are going to be source aligned, combining a lot of important sales information. That way, those people who want raw data can still get at it, but they can build out more and more views or data products for the users on top of that kind of raw platform of, of sales data. That, you know. That way, there is still this scalable, productized underlying production of the raw data, and then the more fit-for-purpose outputs for the different users. Paul is not letting perfect get in the way of progress. Data con contracts have to get to a place where we aren't locked onto schemas as something that can never change. But no one has really come out with a better solution just yet for data contract evolution. So that's what he's planning on doing to start right? It's better than nothing. So go with it while you figure out better ways. I think this is a really important aspect to take from this. Paul finished with a bit of advice around working with a few domains at the start of your journey. That way you can take the learnings and understand the needs from multiple domains to abstract to a better solution for the organization rather than one overly tied to one domain's needs. Personal note here, people seem pretty 50-50 split on working with one domain or two to three domains at the start of your journey. It's an interesting question. I don't have the perfect answer to it. 
couple of other unique factors to wrap up about Ocean Spray. The corporate structure is actually a co-op of growers. You know, Ocean Spray, if you're not familiar, they do juice and things like that. So there isn't this massive pressure to grow at all costs like there is for a lot of organizations. Domains have been able to get access to other domains' data relatively easily for a long, long time at Ocean Spray. It hasn't been cleaned and prepped for them, but there is an existing culture of sharing information and data. They are moving more and more towards third-party applications rather than what they've had historically of custom-built applications, which means data isn't necessarily in an easy-to-consume format by default. Maybe that's not all that unique, but I still think it's an interesting uh, aspect of their journey. And finally, because many domains are quite small, the central team will likely still own most, if not all, of the data work for those domains, as I talked about a little bit earlier. Hopefully it sounds like some awesome episodes for you coming up this week. As a reminder, feel free to get in touch if I might be useful in your data mesh journey, helping quite a few organizations and introducing people to each other, plus doing some roundtables. Check out datameshunderstanding.com for more information. I hope you have a great rest of your day and week. Now on to that fun, funky little outro music.